What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Anyone who watched Spike TV in the early 2000s is in for a treat because Slam Ball is back. The sports league has raised $11 million from investors like Michael Rubin, Gary Vaynerchuk, Blake Griffin, and David Blitzer. And its two-year deal with ESPN officially kicks off this Friday, July 21st. So for today's podcast, I sat down with Slam Ball CEO, Mason Gordon, to discuss why Slam Ball initially failed, how the company plans to make money this time around, what the future might look like, and much more. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode, so let's get right into it. All right, Mason, thank you so much for doing this first and foremost. How are you doing today? This is amazing. Joe, how great is this? How great is this day? And how great is Friday, which is just, oh man, coming up so fast, but relaunching Slam Ball on ESPN Friday the 21st, 7 p.m. Eastern. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I love it. I'm excited. I've been tweeting about it nonstop, just like everyone else has. Let's start with like how you came up with this idea. So for those that don't know, this is like more than two decades in the works at this point. I believe you came up with it around 2000, but talk me through the initial idea, how you came up with it, how you launched it, et cetera. Yeah, the initial idea was that I was incredibly inspired by the UFC and what are we on? Like coming up on UFC 300, I'm talking about UFC one, like the very first UFC, I stole my mom's credit card to buy the pay-per-view and I, I, my mind was legitimately blown by the concept that they took all these different fighting styles and they blended them together into a new product that young, the young fans of the fight game could enjoy, right? And that, it, that really landed with me in a very specific way because I'm not a martial artist. I'm a team sports guy. So I grew up playing basketball and football. And I was like, can you take the best elements of basketball, football, hockey, and video games, which was the other thing that I did, and blend them together into something that actually works. What makes MMA so compelling is that it actually works. You actually take these disparate elements and, and bring them together into something that flows smoothly. And I went into a little warehouse in East Los Angeles. I built the first court out of spare parts. And the hardest thing about the entire endeavor, Joe, was getting basketball and football players to play the same sport because the football players hit the basketball players and the basketball players would just want to fight. So we were constantly breaking up fights and, and it, we couldn't get through 60 seconds of even learning the game. So I put myself in the game and I grabbed one of the football players. I said, I want you to hit me in front of everybody. And I want you, I want everybody to see it. Can you do that? And he looked me in the eyes and he was like, I've been wanting to hit you since you opened your stupid mouth. And so this guy, Jeff from Chicago, absolutely pancaked me, cracked three of my ribs, but I got up and kept playing. And the basketball guys were like, okay, you know, if he's out here, you know, this is high school football tough and we got to be able to do that. Yeah, that's amazing. So what happens from there? How do you convince people first off to come and play? I imagine you're going around finding, you know, whoever you can at this point to try it out, but then you eventually get a deal to bring this on television. So talk me through that, like the initial kind of building the first warehouse to actually convincing executives to put this on television. Yeah, it all happened really, really fast. We're in the warehouse. We're learning the game. We're trying to figure out all the rules. It's kind of a collaborative thing. And a couple of people like wander in off the street. So we're in East LA, so we don't really ask them to leave. You know, we were just kind of like, all right, like let them watch. And they left after a couple hours and we were like, man, they must've gotten bored. 
But then they came back the next day with like four of their friends. And then they brought more friends and they bought more friends. And we organically had this crowd in this warehouse and people are selling churros and bootleg slam ball merchandise. And it's really fun. It's a really fun environment. And my co-founder, Mike Tolan, who's the brilliant producer and director behind The Last Dance and The Captain and Redeem Team, Mike Tolan had a lot of relationships with cable television outlets. So he invited a handful of executives down to the warehouse to see Slamball being played full court. And they, one of them, which was, would be become Spike TV, gave us a, a television deal right there in the warehouse, which was kind of unbelievable. So we went from not really even having the game figured out to having a national television platform and millions and millions of people would seek out Slamball on Spike TV late at night to get their fix. And I really think part of what's happening today is like though all those years ago, we pushed a button in the hearts and minds of Slamball fans back then and millions and millions of Slamball fans based on the television ratings. And that button never really got unpressed. Yeah, I love that. It was probably more successful than I think people even remember, right? Because, you know, people look at it today and they'll say it had two seasons on Spike TV. You know, how successful could it have been? But if I remember correctly, the first game you guys had on television got a couple million viewers and then throughout the two seasons, you were still having several hundred thousand viewers per game, which for anyone that doesn't follow TV ratings is pretty damn good, right? Like, you know, the NFL is the NFL, but not everyone's getting 5, 10, 15 million viewers a game. The other sports leagues in the United States, like that's very competitive. So tell me, like, why did it fail initially in your mind, right? Why did you guys go off the air after two seasons? Where were there's opportunity left on the table? Well, to me, it didn't fail. When when we when I worked with Mike Tolan in the very beginning, and we figured out we're going to do this together. You know, I went into his office and I said, "It's going to be a league, and it's going to be all Vince Carter's and Tracy McGrady's and Kobe Bryant's, and everybody's going to be flying up here." And you know, he he at first he was like, "Hell no," and then he was like, "I can't get this idea out of my head," and that I think that's a really good sign. Let's see if we can figure this out. But once we were on television, when I was talking to Mike, he said, listen, we can't launch a sport. We're just a couple of guys. But what you might be able to do is get it on television. And if it's good enough and enough people like it, you could back your way into a traditional league mop. That was really the brainstorm. And Mike gets so much credit for, you know, slam ball actually being a, a thing and a going concern. He really had a vision for getting it on air and getting it widely exposed. The trick with that was that, you know, once it was on television, it was just kind of a wildfire and fans accepted it as a real sport, which it was, and a real league, which it wasn't. We were a television show where you would get all the teams together, you would shoot all the games, and then you'd release them three months later. That's no way to build a sport. Sports have to be immediate. They have to be bettable. They have to be engageable. And that was our our vision from the very beginning. And we figured it would take us, you know, four or five years to back our way into that traditional league model. But here we are 20 years later putting that together. So I'm so excited about being able to present Slam Ball in the format that everybody always accepted it as in the first place. It was kind of a mismatch. And ultimately, as a TV show, 
you know, we weren't rating in comparison to law and order reruns. So when you're on cable TV, the economics of cable TV are incredibly punitive. And we did exceptionally well for a sport, you know, we pulled out a whole cloth, a hybrid sport that was trying to do something special and something new. I think by any metrics, our numbers have continually shown, not just in the Spike TV days, but over the years, that Slam Ball's got real legs. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket. Now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. So you guys are coming back now, obviously. We just relived a little bit of the past, but now back to the present. You guys are going to be back on TV this Friday, July 21st. You signed a deal with ESPN, which is pretty damn good, if I'd had to say so myself. How does that happen? And why is ESPN the right partner? Well, interestingly enough, a couple years ago, People started posting this hashtag bring back slam ball with a lot of our old highlights, which was pretty amazing because I was on the other side of the world in China doing 15,000 seat arena tours, building slam ball facilities. And what was interesting is that it was kind of like a real life butterfly effect. It's like we were doing this thing on the other side of the world and somehow that energy and that, that media kind of leaked out to the rest of the planet. And so people really started getting geeked up on old slam ball highlights. So 20-year-old Slam Ball highlights would go viral every single week. And it was actually insane because the internet doesn't really care about anything that's more than a few weeks old. But in this case, they were in love with it. And somewhere along the line, we captured the heart of the internet. And when, when these clips would go viral, it was so organic because it wasn't us posting. It was Barstool Sports. It was Overtime Elite. It was ESPN's Instagram. It was Jason Tatum and Baron Davis. You know, these were the guys that were clamoring for Slam Ball to come back. And then people just started to pile into that pretty spectacularly. So Mike and I have always sort of been cheering to each other. Like, we're not going to bring this back until the timing is absolutely immaculate. But we looked at it and said, wow, this thing is happening organically. There's a half a billion views on this media that's associated with this hashtag. And then we went out to the capital market and said, let's just see what people think. So we put together a rough plan. We talked to venture capitalists and there was a ton of interest. Like everything we were saying, people were like, oh my God, that's, that's amazing. We're like, really? Because we've been saying this for a long time. But so it was like the ground shifted underneath our feet. And what was spectacular is that young audiences are reaching out for sports to call their own. That's why the alternative sports market is red hot. And if you look at the entrance in that in that marketplace and you put Slam Ball in there, it's a pretty good bet. We check a lot of boxes. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure, specifically when it comes to alternative sports, right? Yeah. One of the things that I'm interested in hearing you talk about is how the business model works, right? Like I think when people look at traditional sports, it's pretty obvious how the big four sports leagues in the United States are making money, right? Like TV rights are huge, there's ticketing, there's merchandise, there's all this stuff. Talk to me about how you guys plan on making money. Yeah, absolutely. And the answer you're the finish answering your other question. We went out to the broadcast market, the broadcasters, and we were like, you know, somebody, 
people like slam ball. Somebody's going to give this thing a shot, right? And what we didn't expect was we would get offers from every single sports broadcaster and they would improve those offers three and four times over. So we were able to pick our partner and slam balls back and it's on ESPN is just such a powerful narrative and, and powerful statement. So we were very heartened by that. But as far as making money, absolutely. Slamball has the opportunity to, you know, drive revenue from live, drive l- revenue from license fees, not just domestically, but around the world. Licensing, with, there's all kinds of people clamoring for the video game and we're already developing something. There's tremendous opportunity around merchandising and things, even more so than, than there has been in the past, I think. And then what's interesting is that we dovetail into this world where the NCAA basketball and football programs are generating a ridiculous amount of pro caliber athletes that are never going to be able to crack the NFL or the NBA tier because that pyramid is so stacked at the top. So we're not, and what's cool is that we're looking for different guys. We're looking for the most hyperkinetic, explosive athletes because in the air, athleticism rules, and that's where slam ball is played. So there's a number of things that are coming together here where we can access athletes that on the slam ball court are superhuman and incredibly telegenic and fun to watch. And at the same time, there's a really robust sports marketplace because sports is kind of the last water cooler thing that's out there. And it's the, the last sort of live thing that's bringing us together in broadcast. How did you guys find the players for the reboot this year? Yeah, it's a great story. So we started reaching out to basketball and football athletes, highly accomplished guys from the collegiate level that are playing pro, you know, either overseas. Interestingly enough, we found out that most people that are playing professional basketball overseas are not happy doing it. It's not a great experience. And the prospect of being able to play domestically in front of friends and family on ESPN, it's kind of a no-brainer. So we found that was really an interesting development. But as we reached out to players, we thought that we'd have to have this whole pitch, right? Hey, guys, there was this uh, thing. It was was starting in a warehouse and it was on cable television. And literally every single time they were like, "Hey, hey, stop talking. I've been trying to play slam ball for the last three or four years because slam ball highlights stay in my social media feed. And that's really the secret sauce here, Joe, is that You know, this isn't full contact badminton that like a team of executives came up with in a a conference room somewhere. This is something that's been organically living and breathing for over 20 years. And then to roll it out on ESPN live, bettable, engageable. Wow, that that that's a pretty exciting situation. How does the insurance work? on this, right? Like I I think people probably look at slam ball and it's amazing because of the athleticism and everything like that also, but it's one of those sports that you just can't take your eyes off of because you don't know what's going to happen next. And I'm curious kind of like how you guys deal with injuries or other things like that from an insurance perspective. Yeah, look, the health of our and safety of our athletes is absolutely paramount. A lot of, I, I love the opportunity here to dispel some of these notions though, but the slam ball court has a ton of technology built into it. Well, a lot of people don't realize, but the hardwood floor actually gives underneath the players. There's like an entire matrix of springs underneath it. So the entire ethos of the slam ball court is that it gives underneath the athlete. So you can play harder, you can hit harder, you can fly higher, and everything in the environment is designed to give. When you get knocked into the hockey walls, the tramps and the spring beds obviously give, and then there's padding 
around those. So everything's designed to catch and protect the athlete. So a lot of people look at slam ball and think that the injury rates are on par with football or rugby, which is way up here. And we're down here with pro and high level basketball. That's the injury rates that we see are very much in line with basketball, not not what you see in, in football and rugby. So we think that, you know, slam ball is, is quite sustainable long-term and we're, we've got health and safety protocols. We've got training protocols where guys have to move through levels before they get certified to go on to different skills. And ultimately we've done this in China with people just walking into slam ball courts to play recreationally. And we take them through different slam ball training levels before they're, they're cleared to play certain, do certain movements on the court. And that we've done that with tens of thousands of people to great effect. Nice. You talked about building these facilities and you just referenced them again in China. How many slam ball facilities are there around the world? There were five slam ball facilities in China and at one point and over a hundred college teams that were participating in some college championships that were staged in China. I mean, obviously China ran into COVID in a big way and it kind of shut down a lot of the development over there, but there's a Chinese media contingent that's coming out to follow the slam ball games as we roll them out over the next month. And that's going to be pretty exciting because that media will go back, you know, throughout China and throughout Asia where slam ball is very popular. You mentioned your partner and yourself have a background in film and have done some successful films with ESPN and other partners. The Last Dance, obviously, The Captain, et cetera. I assume this is something that you guys are probably have the cameras rolling for potentially to make a documentary out of later on. Yeah, there's a documentary in process right now, and we've been approached by some of the biggest production companies in the world about slam ball documentary series, a la Drive to Survive. So we're excited about the, the potential of that format and also just telling the story. So, you know, like in sports, a lot of times the best story wins, and this is a really great story. We've fought through tons of ups and downs with slam ball. And the thing I might be most proud of is that we've never like nerfed the scope of our ambition for this. We don't think this is a fringe sport that that's going to live on the periphery. We think this is the UFC of team sports, and we feel like we can follow that same success pathway. What does success look like for year one? Like, I don't know if you want to say it in regards to TV viewership or revenue or interest or whatever it is, but like, if you guys look back a year from now or even six months from now and you have to do a review of season one, what makes this successful to you? I mean, it's great, compelling games. It's athletes that stand out from the pack. If we can establish a couple stars that really have a prodigious interest, especially in digital platforms to be it for that people want to follow their story. That's a big win for us. We think we're in a great position to make a splash this summer. And then next summer, we feel like we can take stock of what we did really well, improve what we didn't do as well. And we think next summer we're playing for the next, you know, 30, 40 years. It's a six week season, right? It's actually about four weeks. We changed the schedule just a little bit, but there's a ton of games. There's eight teams. It's four on four hockey style substitutions, competition, spring beds, like take the action up to 18 feet in the air. So there's a lot to love here. Full contact, a bit played by about half basketball players and half football players. So that blending is really where you get the wow factor because you don't get that in any other sport. Where are you going to find a small forward facing off against a linebacker, facing off against a point guard, facing off against the defensive back? Yeah, I love that. 
Last question. Are we getting a dunk competition? Like an all-star weekend festival with different games? Probably like a truncated version for this series. Like, but we're we're definitely gonna we've got some tricks up our sleeve and Ryder, as the playoffs are approaching, I think you guys will be really happy with what we're rolling out. I love it. All right, that's it for today. Everyone should tune in on Friday. I'll be watching for sure. Season debut, July 21st. All games, I think, will be on ESPN, ESPN2, and ESPN Plus live. So make sure to check it out. Slam Ball is back. Mason, thank you so much for your time. Thanks. And tickets at UNLVtickets.com. If you're in Vegas, you've got, or if you're in LA, drive in. If you have any chance to see this live, it will absolutely blow your mind. I love that. All right. Thank you, Mason. Thank you, Joe.